Coog's house. All right, so we're not quite done wrapping up last weekend's game. We have to, a disturbing trend to talk about. Let's jump on into it. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, the day of the podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach Parker Andrews, and break down all things Cougs if you're a U of H fan or just a hater, can you step by? Please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you can lay us on the Cougs into your news feed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. Uh, if you're seeing us on the YouTube channel, welcome back. It is good to see you again. Uh, again, giveaway every 250 subscribers. Next one, 17 to 50. Make sure you hit it to hit subscribe to let us get there and like and comment on the videos to listen to the contest. If after watching today's video and wrapping up last week's game, try to transition into thinking about this Saturday's game. Quickly, because there's a lot to do for that one. You just have nothing left to say. Um, tell us if you're an orange juice or an apple juice kind of person. Now, in today's episode, we got a couple things to visit uh, about. Some one, I want to talk about a disturbing trend, and that is the slow starts that are plaguing the Houston Cougars. Um, I kind of only am beginning to dive into the like peripheries of this um i think there's more to look into of course the whole season and honestly the whole thing of it we're gonna start with that the second segment talk some about things that went well last weekend because even though it was a slow start um we didn't spend enough time on monday talking about how well the defense played and then diving into the numbers it, it gets better than you think and then last but not least i want to finally uh as much as it blows for that one to go not our way i'll talk about why that is later to finally move on and start looking towards Kansas State a little bit in the periphery or maybe in the distance or I don't know, mix them in metaphors. It's been a rough day at work with Houston sports, with all kinds of things. But let's jump on into it and talk about something even slower than the day at work. Um, and that is the slow starts. Now, I think, you know, every year is different to me, so I don't necessarily want to go back to every single Dana Holgerson year because, frankly, there were some years, uh, the 2021 season in particular, where, like, Things didn't always start so, right? And frankly, there were some years where like 2020 season with COVID and all those kind of things were like, it never sped up. So there's all kinds of ways to go about how the slow start conversation should happen. But looking at this year's team and this year's staff and this year's task at hand, you know, halfway through the season, I don't think there's any way to argue other than Houston is a team that consistently starts very slow. UTSA, it was 7-7 after a quarter. Ultimately led to a very low scoring game, right? Um, but also the UTSA offense we've learned in weeks since is not like the explosive offense it was a year ago. Um, probably should have, you know, frankly, the defense is not as stout as they were a year ago either. Probably should have had a little bit different score at the end of the first half or quarter, even in that one. Obviously, the next week, Houston followed up with a uh, 20 to a 21 nothing run to start the game by rice uh 20 i say 21 nothing run because we don't call them runs in football it's certainly the kind of uh boat race it felt like out the gates houston would obviously come back and tie it up and force overtime but again 21 nothing starts game kind of feels like we didn't ever get off the bus against tcu while there were exciting plays a big kickoff return and stuff like that houston was down 20 to 10 at half Sam Houston, what Houston ultimately did win in a blowout. Um, and I do maintain, I think Sam Houston has a strong defense and as a first year FBS team, 
is growing and developing, and it's not abnormal for a Big 12 team to be playing an FCS team or for that FCS team to be one of the better ones. So if Sam Houston fits in, and anyway, I'm going on a long tangent there. After the first quarter, it was just 10 to 7, right? Um, Texas Tech, I understand the offense started hot, but the defense and special teams did not. Houston was down 35 to 21 at half. Um, 25, uh, yeah, they're down, they've given up 35 points at the half. I'm sorry. Um, and the two big special teams TDs, one of which felt completely like lack of being awake, lack of being aware, etc. West Virginia, they were down 10 to 7 uh, for most of the first half for ultimately taking a touchdown at the end of the half to go up 14 to 10. Um, but it's still most of the half without waking up. Both teams scored 20 or more points in the fourth quarter. So I guess both teams didn't wake up, but clearly they were. Ex- things to be exploited and neither team did. And then against Texas, they were down 21, nothing before you'd blank. Um, and ultimately came back and, and nearly tied the game up without the bad call at the end, which we talked about in yesterday's episode. But all that is to say that Houston consistently starts the game exceedingly slow. And um, I don't want to call it just a big 12 thing. Like I think the coaching staff has publicly said a couple times because frankly, and calling it just a Big 12 thing, um, honestly, that kind of looks past the UTSA score being 7-7 after quarter. It looks past the um, the the Rice game. Uh, you know, um, I know that Houston themselves look past the Rice game. I frankly understand looking past the Rice game. I don't think I could have done myself, and I think that there's some things that should have been fixed and not let that happen. But with the first Big 12 game as a conference member in school history the next week, I could see how people were getting excited about that and not thinking about Rice um, instead of realizing that, you know, JT Daniels and whatever, you know, that also been thought about. And those are both slow starts too, right? Um, Rice and and UTSA and, frankly, Sam Houston won a great start, although ended up finishing great. And I have to say that just saying this is a Big 12 thing seems inaccurate. I played a handful of Big 12 games, and they started slow in those. Um, I guess the offense started well in the Texas Tech game, ultimately ran out of steam. Um, and it feels like, and I, I'm typically one that actually supports, as a coach, I typically support coaches more than the average person because I do see, tend to see what is trying to be done. Now, execution and is it getting done? And I was once told as a, as a young coach, I'm not that old, I guess, but as a younger coach, um, it doesn't matter what I say or no, it's what I get them to do, right? So I get that ultimately the results are the thing that matter the most. It is results-based business. But generally speaking, I do see what the football team is doing. It's like, okay, I understand what they're trying to do there. I can't fault them what they want to happen there. But it does feel like something I would fault the that with is it feels like they open each game trying to feel out what's coming, right? What is the other team doing as far as their game plan? Who are they going to be looking to this week? You know, what will Texas be relying on in the past game? What kind of concepts they're looking to run versus Rice? What will JT Daniels and you know what will that look like instead of any for, sort of imposing of will, forcing of the bending to the? There's none of those kinds of things happening. It's all let's see what they've brought. We're going to run our scripted first ten plays or whatever, and kind of roll through things after that, and. That has clearly led to some very slow starts because you're trying to feel what's going on, right? You're trying to feel what's happening. And 
ultimately um, that if that's really the case, and again, I think there's more work to be done, more stuff to dive into here. Um, but initially, I think it's something we got to pay attention to after the Texas game started, because if the Texas game did not start that slow, we might have been looking at the upset of the weekend last weekend, right? Um, and in Houston's way. Um, I, I have to say that as I look at this, um, I do feel like, you know, that that is coaching things. Um, letting Feeling that kind of thing out is absolutely a thing that, you know, coaches need to make sure they pick spots to be aggressive early, pick spots to impose their game plan, the team's will, et cetera, early, get after the guys early. Um, and frankly, then also on the back end of the offense, the tech game, not run out of gas, right? And so as I say that, I do look at um, – what ultimately ends up happening in that, right? And think, what could be fixed? What could they do differently? I wonder if it's rolling dice early, taking gambles early, taking risks early, taking explosive shots early on offense. Should it be more pass to open up the run early? I kind of think so. I think that's what we're good at. I think the defense looks better when they are gambling and taking risks. I think those are the ways this team should work. Um, But it'll be interesting to see after seeing – things develop that went our way in the Texas game. What does it look like to see that translate into the Kansas state game this upcoming weekend? Now that's the third segment. Before we get into the third segment, I do want to spend a moment bragging some on the defense because they did find things that worked well and worked very well in that defense against Texas. But first let's take a moment to talk about when you need things to go better for your small business or for wherever you're, you're employed and you're looking for people to work these days. You need to find a new hire that can add to your team the same kind of way the impact transfers have added to the Houston team. That's Donovan Smith, whether it's Boogie Johnson, the big Hail Mary play, right? David Agwegbu and knocking people out. Like the way that those guys made impacts for Houston thus far, we got to make sure we add people to your team that also make that impact. Um, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business, but you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs, you find the right people for your team faster and for free. If you can find someone like Donovan, go do it. LinkedIn Jobs, the best qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, so I did say I want to talk some about the defense and, and brag some on the defense because in diving into those slow starts and recapping yesterday's episode in my own head and checking back through my notes, we did not spend enough time talking about, frankly, how after a 21 nothing start, this defense held a top 10 Texas team to a whopping 14 points through three quarters of football. And frankly, one of those two touchdowns that led to the 14 points was after a 51-yard kickoff return on a very short field. That's also 14 points allowed, given that the offense, Houston offense had two turnovers, right, that allowed very sudden change kind of situations for the defense. Uh, I think the thing that was most impressive to me, though, about this defense was Houston shifted to a new odd front, which I almost wonder, and not every game would have different explanations in this instance, but I almost wonder if it would lead to some explanation as to the slow start on defense, right? Because you're trying to learn a new system and what was an extended week because they played West Virginia on a Thursday, but learn a new system for a high powered offense. 
But Houston went to a, I'll call it like a 3-2-2-5, two, two, right? Three down linemen, two X-factor type players, make more sense in a second, two linebackers, and still had five defensive backs on the football field. Um, I guess you could technically call Hassan Hippolyte at this point kind of a hybrid guy, right? Uh, the three down linemen at the start of the football game, though, um, make sure to pull my notes here, where Jamari Caldwell, Jadosia Nwakwo, and Talik Robbins. Now, Talik Robbins played excellently in this game. Uh, he played 48 snaps, um, really impactful football player for the Houston Cougars, and frankly, a guy that has not gotten nearly many, very many snaps like that across the season thus far. Good to see him in the game, and frankly, this defense seemed to play to his, his strengths because those three down linemen, Talik, Dot, and Jamari, and frankly, then they'd also pull in um, guys like Cedric Williams, Anthony Holmes, and Anthony played his butt off. Cedric Williams played his butt off. Those guys played really, really well. Um, they're all interior line types, right? But what it looked like to me is Houston realized we got a bunch of good athletes, whether it's Dot or Cedric, whoever, at these interior line types, and just put three of them on the field at once. Right? What defense can we run that puts three of these guys on the field at once? And they went head up on the center, head up on the tackles. So zeros and fours is what you'd call that in technique terms. right? So head up on the center, head up on the tackles. And then, once you're head up and head up, um, they kind of let the two linebackers behind them read and make plays side to side. But the real thing that opened up this defensive front was being able to have David Aguegbu and Nelson Caesar as... 250-pound, I keep calling it X-Factor. Some people would call it Rushes, Sams, um, you know, Slashers, just an in-between kind of guy. They're not quite a linebacker, not quite a defensive lineman. One of them was always rushing. I mean, they, they mix that up fairly well. But it really, the impact of that was that it, A, was fairly confusing for the Texas offensive line, and B, allowed more creativity in how you used your best to big athletes nelson and Nguegbu are unique in that they're defensive line in their skill set but athletically they're rangy they can do some sh uh, short yardage coverage stuff then get under the holes for certain things um have to say that utilizing their strengths open up this defense very well so shouts to brian early because i'm sure as d-line sack av guy he was the one in charge of hey, saying, hey, I've got dudes that can play when you get them on the field. i got dudes that can do more than we're asking them to do. We need to ask them to do it. I'm sure he had an impact in that. Doug Belk for flipping the system in a week. I don't think, while you can criticize a lot of things as defense has done the last two years, I think it's worth pointing out that like that is not easy to do. And then I will say, finally, um, that this ultimately led to getting a lot of play out of some guys that have played a whole lot in that front five. And I say front five because of the three down and those two floater types. Um, and men Gwegbu and Nelson had to play pretty much every snap. Uh, they didn't quite get to every snap. Um, but there were times where they kind of put in a more traditional linebacker that would help them out or whatever and get them a breather for a couple of plays. Um, really, really impressive turn of events there. Um, and honestly, uh, Dana brought it up in his presser on his presser on Monday. Um, but Jamari going into a full body cramp after 42 snaps, which is a lot for a big fella. Um, that's a lot of plays for interior type lineman type body um, to play, especially in like requesting him to do a lot of things um, that the game changed, right? He goes into full body cramps and the ensuing Texas Longhorn possession. They run the ball like four times and score four or five times score touchdown and basically a run play only possession. Right. Um, so with that said, I, 
I feel like we have to give credit where credit is due there, and those front guys played really well. Behind them, the guy I want to give some praise to is Antonio Brooks. He played 57 snaps, had the second highest uh, pro football focus score being on the defense. For what it's worth, the highest on the team and defense was Gwegbu. Um, but Antonio Brooks played 57 snaps as a safety, usually covering that slot type guy. Um, his previous highest snaps was 40 against UTSA and a blowout. He's not a typical guy that gets that many plays on the field. He played a lot. He played well, only allowed three targets. I had five tackles, spent a lot of time down there in the box against big bodies, tight ends and big offensive linemen out in front of him. Um, played really, really well. I also think him playing really well in that spot allowed hip to go back to that boundary safety with some comfort and ease. It allowed, um, the corners they rotated mostly were Isaiah Hamilton, Malik Fleming, and Brian George. And each of them played really well. Brian George continues to be kind of boom bust. He has some plays like, oh, my God, this guy's one of the best corners in the country. And he has some plays where it's like, oh, my God, how we allowed that touchdown, right? George goes back and forth. The consistency there is going to be key if he wants to continue to find plays in the football field. Malik Fleming, obviously, and Isaiah Hamilton have been the same story all year. As long as they're not getting dogged on their size, they're great. And frankly, they win more battles than not with on, on based on the size stuff. They just they're just going to lose. They can't win 100 percent of them, right? I thought it was interesting. Alex Hogan played just 12 snaps. Um, I'm sure there'll be more on that if you ask Doug Belk. But um, on the whole, after adjusting in a quarter with a new defense to a high powered offense, I think we have to talk about how well that defense played. And frankly, if the latter three quarters of defense is the way this defense goes the rest of the year. Yes, at some point, Texas was able to run the ball down their throat in that crucial um, fourth-quarter drive that gave them the lead. However, I do think it's worth pointing out that um, that, that was a really impressive unit, really impressive three-quarters of football from them. If they can carry that out the rest of the way, they're going to win some Big 12 games, right? This is not a team that – that was not a defense of a team that wins no Big 12 games, right? That's just not how that works. If they play like that, right? Obviously, we've seen them play worse, but if they play like that, that is a team – that will win some big 12 games. Now, in the third and final segment, I do want to talk some about moving on because in mentioning winning big 12 games, we've got another one this Saturday, folks. Um, but first, if you're like me and you are looking to get some winning done, let me recommend getting it done at prizepicks.com. Now, prizepicks is a daily fantasy game. It's a ton of fun. They just give you players or props. You say over this many or under that many on very various stats. Uh, you can get up to 25 times your money back all football season long. Uh, you can test the things that you think you know and get skills against all kinds of professionals and things like that. Uh, quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Now, PrizePix is offering weekly promotions. They've got big payouts like Taco Tuesday, uh, you know, all kinds of different things that go straight towards Apple Pay or kinds of deposits you can make from your phone, all with a couple clicks of your thumb. With PrizePix reboot policy, your entries can stay can stay in play even if one of your players goes down injured. NFL games, college football games, and top 25 matchups. If you have a player who exits the game the first half and does not return the second, that player is rebooted. Now, PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with that kind of injury insurance, so make sure you go check them out. Go to prizepix.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college to tell them that we sent you and get a first deposit of match up to a hundred dollars at prizepix.com slash locked on college use code locked on college for a deposit match up to one hundred dollars prizepix.com daily fancy number one site in the country 
All right, I mentioned in the third and final segment, I wanted to talk some about moving on from the Texas game. And I said it mostly because I think this is not me moving on from the Texas game, but I think, frankly, this is a thing that people wanted to be a rivalry because it was a rivalry in the 70s and 80s. Um, this thing that people wanted to be a rivalry because there's very real emotions around people at the University of Texas and people in the city of Austin keeping University of Houston out of the Big 12 in the first place. And we know that the 30-year gap that that provided hurt Houston a lot. Um, there's very real reason to now move on from that because we feel we got robbed so much so that President uh, Dr. Couture mentioned it on Twitter. Uh, Holgerson mentioned they're trying to move past it as a team on Monday's meeting, and I think he sounded like he was kind of moving past it, right? Um, for what it's worth, I love that he mentioned in the press conference that if they'd gotten a touchdown, he would have gone for two to win the game right there. Um, perfect. Perfect answer. Um, but I say that to say that it is time to move on from the Texas game because while that is the lone chance Houston's going to have to beat them as a conference opponent for right now, um, with Texas moving into the SEC and Houston now being in the Big 12, um, and I guess who knows where alignment looks like in five or ten years. I mean, who could have predicted where we are now ten years ago, right? Um, I have to, have to, have to say that what you can't do with that Texas game is let Texas beat you twice. Right, because Houston, frankly, what's worth, and and no one wants to see a guy go down injured, but in injuring Quinn Ewers may have ruined their season anyway, right? And that's a weird quasi like at least we got that part done. Um, because if they go off and lose some other games, worth pointing out, right? Um, but you can't let Texas ruin your season, even if you take the loss like we did. You're three and four. You still got a shot at a bowl game. You've got a handful of winnable games coming up, and Kansas State is not an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Kansas State is very, very good. It's their homecoming weekend. They're 5-2 and two with an outside shot at still playing in the college football, uh, in the Big 12 title game, and I guess college football playoffs probably out of the realm of possibility at 5-2, and two, unless some crazy stuff happens. Um, but, for what it's worth, um, winning the Big 12 be a big, big notch in their belt. They'd be back-to-back winners. It's a big deal. Um, they lost to Missouri in a rivalry game, and that was crazy close. Remember that field goal at the end of the game, right? Um, but also Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago felt like you know every team loses a weird one. Um, again, I mentioned earlier it's their homecoming weekend, and frankly, they're kind of finding their own identity in a weird way as well. Um, they have two QBs, and this is an interesting battle going back and forth. And I almost wonder if the two quarterback system they've got going is more reason to like, hey, put Texas behind you. We got to get focused up. It's a lot of things to study. They've got two guys. One is named Will Howard. One is named Avery Johnson. Uh, Avery Johnson's a four-star, high-end, top whatever recruit in the country. One of the highest rate recruits to ever go to Kansas State to play football. Um, and he's a true freshman. He's kind of worked his way into uh, in the lineup against Texas Tech two weeks ago. He had some big rushing plays as the most rushing touchdown of the game as a player at Kansas State. Um, that's a lot. That's important, right? Um, and then against Texas, again, what I think is interesting that Houston has to be prepared for, I should say, is that was against Tech. They followed up the next weekend with TCU, and they straight up alternated series. They played one quarterback, one series, one quarterback, the next. Will Howard would play the opening series, then Avery Johns played the next and back and forth. And that's a lot of things for the Houston defense to be prepared for. That's a lot of difficult things to be matched up with. Frankly, you've got to 
Like be ready for two completely different offenses and two completely different skill sets. And if you spend Sunday, Monday, Tuesday feeling sorry for yourself as a football team about Texas, you're three days behind getting ready for two different offenses to prepare for this weekend, and that leads to another slow start. So Houston has to move past the Texas game and get ready to go play Kansas State on the road. The Little Apple is a difficult place to play for sure. And once you get past, if you can win against Kansas State, then you're up to four and four. You've got Baylor, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, and UCF to end the season. Those are all games that should be winnable for Houston. Um, Baylor being as down as they are and all kinds of things. Um, I just I just feel like at the end of the day, um, there's got to be some way to flush this one. And I know that's just, you and I are not playing, right? You and I are two people that can enjoy this, uh, enjoy the highs, you know, revel in the lows. And we can spend a week washing the stink of our, off of ourselves because we get to turn our TV on on Saturday and put on Kansas State. Um, they don't get to do that. They got to be moved on. They got moved on fast if they have not already. Um, and so the way we're going to flush it and move on here at Locked On Cougs is Wednesday, we're going to look at this matchup um, and kind of see what things Houston should do to win, right? What things Houston should should do or needs to do in this victory. On Thursday, we'll talk about some key matchups in this in, in this matchup, some key matchups in this matchup. That makes sense, I promise. Um, and then on on Friday, we're going to have a guest on to give us some kind of insight into what things look like for the Wildcats this season. It's a fun week here at Lockdown Cougs, trying to cheer everybody up. We'll also be sprinkling in basketball as basketball season's around the way. Got the Rockets hat on today because Nate Hinton got that two-way contract with the Cats, so way to go, Nate. Uh, all things are moving forward here at Lockdown Cougs even after a tough, tough weekend for Houston sports, I promise. So make sure you hit subscribe down below for the latest each and every day. Remember, Locked on Cougs is the Prime Locked on Podcast Network, and we appreciate you making us your first listen today. Go Cougs.